Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm trying desperately to get... uh all of those perennial plants in pots just straightened up and potted on as uh, the roots begin to grow uh, it's uh, quite a job and I find that I start off with one plant and then in the case of the perennial several of them now are just about right to split and so I end up with several more it just seems to make uh, an increasing amount of work but never mind uh, I'll take a break Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants of Pershaw, Worcestershire. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries. First, a word of thanks for your kind remarks following our new gardening page in the sun on Sunday. What a weekend for this introduction. It was almost shirt sleeve order in Essex. And uh, that warm sunshine is just what we needed when there's so much uh, depressing news about. I was up uh, at Ida Hall again, uh, digging on the Saturday morning, and it was uh, really encouraging to see so many people coming through. Lots of families with youngsters running about in that uh, early spring sunshine. Mind you, I don't know how plants put up with uh, sub-zero temperatures one week, all that snow and frost, and then uh, over 80 degrees Fahrenheit in the polytunnel this week. You know, the changes are really quite dramatic. Gardeners need to uh, make haste slowly or complete all the uh, fruit tree and bush pruning Uh, I must do my cordon gooseberries. Uh, I usually leave those till last because uh, if the bullfinches find them, they can uh, strip the buds. And if they're not pruned, well, then some of the buds that the bullfinches have, I won't have needed anyhow. But I must get on with uh, that bit of pruning. And I've already started to uh, prune roses. That's a job uh, usually done the third week of March. Uh, But... uh, There's a fair bit of movement on uh, roses in my part of the country and so I think I'll crack on and get them pruned. There have been uh, several inquiries to about frost damage. In Berkshire, uh, apparently autumn-sown broad bean leaves have been burnt black 
by that uh, beast from the east. And if the stems are still green, they should shoot out again. If they're black right down to ground level, well then uh, I'm afraid the story may well be uh, to sow again. Keep your fingers crossed, they may break from the base. But I think to be on the safe side, it would be better to uh, sow some more. There's still plenty of time. I mean, the broad beans in Essex came through all right uh, from a November sowing, but then we had a good covering of snow to protect them from the uh, harshest of freezing winds. Crocus and snowdrops are now well out, and tulips, really, they're making rapid growth. After a lot of winter rain and all that wet, plant foods will have been uh, washed from the soil. So uh, I would suggest you uh, apply some rose fertiliser to the spring flowering bulbs. You know, if you've got uh, biggish clumps of uh, Narcissus daffodils, for example, given a little feed now will uh, help to prevent them going blind. Uh, so, you know, a bit of rose fertiliser in March to the spring flowering bulbs. Well, and of course to the roses, herbaceous, you know, you can... Uh, scatter quite a bit about make sure it doesn't get onto the leaves and uh, in a perfect world just tickle it into the surface a bit pulling out any weeds as you go there have been several inquiries too about lawns especially coping with bare muddy patches uh, i think you need to uh, wait a while until the surface dries a bit and then mid to late march you can just scratch over the surface with uh, a rake just to sort of open it up a little bit and then scatter a, a good general purpose lawn seed at about a half pound to a pound per square yard the heavier rate if the soil is completely bare and uh, it won't be long before that germinates and we've got a good green turf once again I've just eaten the last of the 2020 tomato crop. You know, they were uh, in trays in the warm in the kitchen and one by one they slowly ripened from uh, the green trusses brought in. But now they're all eaten. <laughs> by coincidence, I've just sown some tomato veranda to grow in pots on the windowsill in the hope that uh, there'll be some new fruit by June. A couple of seeds have also been uh, popped in of cucumber mini munch. And when it comes to uh, cucumbers, I sow one seed to the pot, use a nine centimetre pot, half fill it with seed compost and pop the seed in on its side, not flat. Uh, Put it somewhere warm and in damp compost it'll be up in two or three days so keep an eye on it and as soon as it starts to uh, come through the surface of the compost move the pot to a very light windowsill certainly through the day and then when the first two seed leaves open across the top of the pot you can top it up with a bit of uh, universal potting compost and the uh, Thin stem will make roots, uh, and by starting out with the pot half full, you'll get a much shorter and more sturdier cucumber as a result. When I was doing that uh, 
bit of uh, repotting outside in the yard, there was a really sweet uh, fragrance floating in the air. It took me uh, some minutes to work out what it was. thought, first of all, it was hyacinths, but uh, there weren't any hyacinths in flower near enough uh, to have scented the air. And then I realised it's an evergreen tub I've got of uh, Sarko Cocka, Chinese box. Goodness, that is a fragrant plant. Evergreen, grows to about 18 inches high. Lovely thing to have by the back door. This week's guest is Simon Langdon of Blackmore and Langdon, based in Bath. They hold a royal warrant and have a history that dates back over a hundred years and have exhibited at every Chelsea flower show since its inception in 1913. My first visit to uh, that show was in 1952 and the one thing I was in awe of was the majestic spikes of delphinium which were taller than me and I'm tall enough. In front of the delphinium were begonias with dinner plate sized flowers and alongside them intermixed with the blooms were beautiful maidenhair ferns. I asked Simon if he knew just how long Blackmore and Langdon had been in business. Indeed, since 1901. In actual fact, it's our 120th year this year. Congratulations, young man. <laughs> and how many generations of the family is that then? That's four generations. Yeah, my father was involved before myself and my two brothers, and then obviously my grandfather and my great-grandfather. How did it all come about? Mr Blackmore and Mr Langdon were were friends in Bath and they went to Bath Flower Show. Um, they then pooled their resources, one of them selling a pub to finance the purchase of a piece of land. They bought a piece of land on the outskirts of Bath. One of them had a passion for begonias and the other had a passion for delphiniums and they started the business together. Boy, there must be some changes over the 125 years. Do you have anything in the archive that shows how they began? We've got all sorts of old pictures of the old railway carriages that they used to use to transport the delphiniums and the begonias from the nursery in Twerton, which was on the side of a hill. Um, And they used to have to negotiate this very large railway carriage horse-drawn, down over the hills from Twerton down to Bath Railway Station and then all the way up to London. So, yeah, it was quite a a feat in those days. Lots of people with um, very large metal bars trying to slow the carriage down as it went down over the hill. (laughs) But then what happens to get to London then? Because you're in Paddington, which is some distance from the Chelsea showgrounds. It was it was horse drawn from Paddington to uh, to Chelsea, which must have been quite a sight in itself. But then, how do you transport them, particularly the begonias, because the stems are quite brittle. I mean, if I've got a nice one and I want to give it away, I put it in the car. If I'm not careful, there's no flowers left by the time I arrive. Yeah, they are very difficult things to transport. In the early days, we used to have members of staff which used to pack around the flowers with. Um, uh, with very soft wool, um, and it was a much more of a a difficult process back then. Staff were able to pack them, um, whereas now it just tends to be done with supports and packing them in tightly into the vans. It's it's still quite a feat to get them there in one piece, and we never managed to get all of them there. And how wide is the sale of your begonias? Is it just the UK? 
No, we've been selling them all over the world. In fact, we've got records from the Ballarat Gardens in uh, in Australia going back to almost the early days, 1902-1903. We've got a relationship with uh, with them at the moment, and they're trying to repatriate a few of our begonias, um, varieties that we haven't seen since the 1920s and 1930s. So we've got a large relationship, or a long relationship, I should say, with with Ballarat Begonia Society, also places in Japan, America, Canada, New Zealand, Australia. There's a whole host of places these begonias go every year. We supply a company called White Flower Farm in Connecticut every year with a large consignment. Uh, isn't there a little story there? More recently, they've gone back in time, I believe. White Flower Farm, we've had a relationship with the, the guys over there for 50, 60 years. About 10, 15 years ago, we were sent a lovely picture of two very majestic large shire horses, which they'd purchased and got rid of some of their mechanisation. And they were looking for suitable names for these two wonderful shires, and they decided to call them Blackmore and Langdon. <laughs> Now, um, when it comes to uh, home growing, can you give us some tips, uh, first of all, on uh, delphiniums, perhaps? Presumably, you've started to uh, propagate them. Yeah, um, delphiniums are being propagated at the moment. The thing to remember with delphiniums is to plant them into a a well-draining soil. If they go into a heavy soil, it needs something added to the soil to lighten it slightly so that it drains so that when they're dormant during the winter months the crowns of the plant don't sit in moisture the whole time yeah plenty of feed during the growing season and obviously like you say with the heights that they get to you need to stake them as well and and what kind of cutting do you take we take basal cuttings from the delphiniums. We we tend to grow a lot of our delphinium plants in open fields. Then in January, they're dug from the fields, they're brought inside. The majority of the soil is cleaned off um, and then they're healed in onto benches inside the greenhouse. And as they start to throw cuttings, we take individual cuttings from the crown of the plant. It's quite a laborious process, but it's the only real way we found that we keep the strains true to colour. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And when you take that cutting... Um, the stems can be hollow, can't they, if you let them get too big? 
you have to take a cutting from the from the crown of the plant and you have to dig back in in a v-shape with a knife so you're actually taking a small part of the crown with the cutting if you take a cutting and it's hollow underneath it will it will rot in no time at all you have to make sure that there's a little bit of the crown of the plant left on the base of the cutting and then begonias are you raising from seed as well as from cuttings we do some from seed it's usually a um we usually grow from seed to try and bring in new varieties. So we do the cross-pollination. Um, we collect the seed from the ones we've cross-pollinated and we grow five or 6,000 new begonias each year in the hope that we might find one or two in amongst those five or 6,000, which will go on to become a name variety. But all of the name varieties are propagated from either basal cuttings or lateral cuttings. Um Yes, I don't understand that. The basal cutting I understand, which presumably is like the delphinium, where you go right back to the uh, begonia tuber. And, and do you take a piece of the tuber with it then? Yeah, with the basal cuttings, you send you see the uh, the shoots coming up from the the base of the begonia, and if you literally put your finger in between the main growing stem and the new piece of growth that's coming up, and you pull it away from the stem, you can take out the cutting, and there'll be a tiny little bit of the corm left on the bottom of it, and usually maybe a couple of roots as well, and that is the easiest way of propagating it. The other way that we do it are from lateral cuttings, where the the main shoot of the plant comes up, you get the leaf branching out, and then you get the cuttings coming up between the leaf joint and the main stem and the same with that you can cut back in a uh, in a v-shape and as long as you take one of the nodes with it you can uh, you can root from that as well there's a lot of detail to that isn't there we tend to do everything in a very traditional manner. We've looked at tissue culture and various other methods of propagation over the last few years, and we've found ourselves going back much more to traditional methods because it's more reliable. When you've taken these cuttings, some obviously go once they're well-rooted straight to gardeners, but do you have uh, um, fields of begonias flowering through the summer to produce tubers we tend to grow most of our begonias now inside the greenhouse rather than outside um, we do have uh probably uh 15 to twenty thousand begonias that we grow inside the main greenhouse the cuttings that we take then go towards making a tuber so we tend to sell plants in a in its tuber form at this time of year rather than small plants it enables us as a tuber to be able to ship them all over the world. Plants in soil is a very difficult thing to try and transport to different countries, whereas dry tubers, when they're dormant, you can get phytosanitary certificates for them and it's not so much of a problem to ship them. Now, Simon, can I talk a little bit about Chelsea Flower Show? This year, of course, it's been delayed from May to September. So what are your thoughts on Chelsea Flower Show over the past and for... 2021. Well, Chelsea's a wonderful event. It's something that we've taken part in since it started in 1913. And even before that, when it was called the Temple Show, Chelsea is something that's been part of Blackmore and Langdon for as long as I can remember. It's, uh, it's almost a, 
a poison chalice in a funny sort of way because we're expected to be there every year and the delaying it now until September is going to be a challenge, but I think it's a challenge that we're able to meet. Certainly having begonias and delphiniums out in flower for the end of September is going to be difficult and it's certainly going to propose a, or pose a whole new set of problems. Um, but I think gardening is a challenge full stop. <laughs> You can say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what about visitors? Have you had any um, really important or famous visitors? We've had loads of wonderful customers over the years, even back to uh, I was contacted by the Royal Academy of Art in London and it transpired that Claude Monet used to be a customer of ours coming over here and buying delphiniums to take back to the gardens at Giverny. We also... Uh, had a letter from Bloomsbury about the fact that Winston Churchill used to be a customer of ours. So there have been many, many very eminent figures that have bought our begonias and delphiniums over the years. And what about photographs? I mean, do you have photographs of some of these events? Uh, We've got photographs going back probably to 1913, 1914. I mean, obviously the photographs back then are all black and white, so they don't really do it justice. But we have photographs of all sorts of... uh, I mean, one of of my favourite photographs of the ones is of Queen Mary with my grandfather walking around the delphiniums when they were over at Bath. There was a big field of delphiniums and Queen Mary with her beautiful parasol wandering around the uh, the delphiniums. <laughs> Your granddad would have been in jacket and tie then, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you look at those old black and white photographs, I'm, I always admire the headgear because the workers would have been flat-capped, I believe. Absolutely. All the workers were flat-capped and they all wore shirts and ties. <laughs> Did you have any special stories from Chelsea? I mean, you must have uh, unending questions when people stand in front of those delphiniums. Some people must think that they're not real. Well, I think the um, the question with delphiniums that they must have been asked tens of thousands of times over the years is, how did you get them so tall? And the question with begonias is much about the same. It's how do you get them so big? And these are the two questions that they get asked time and time again at Chelsea. But it's uh, it is a wonderful event to take part in. But what's the answer to those two questions then? Come on. <laughs> you must be well rehearsed with those. Well, the delphiniums, it's a case of making sure they're happy, as with every plant. It's uh, providing they've got the right soil, they've got the right feed, and they're looked after in the right way. You can get the height of the delphiniums. I was even called over to Highgrove a year before last because um, His Royal Highness had um, one of our delphiniums in the the sundial garden at the front that was 11 foot 6. So, uh, yeah, if they're happy, they will grow to enormous heights. 11 foot 6? That's some high, isn't it? Absolutely. You must have had some horse manure under that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But a really sharp, frosty winter helps too, doesn't it? I mean, we've just had some pretty low temperatures here on the uh, east of England. Uh, You may have been a little softer over there on the west, but it's been minus five, minus seven and snow. A lot of herbaceous plants quite like that, don't they? Well, it's the sort of vernalisation process they need to go through. And I know with the delphiniums, they're so much happier when we have a a really cold winter. When they're frozen solid in the ground, the delphiniums are so much more vigorous the following year. They throw up a lot more cuttings and they're much happier. Simon, it's great to have you join us today. And and I look forward to September just to see uh, (laughs) how you cope with that uh, delayed operation. Thank you, Peter. It's been an absolute delight. There is no better group of 
And for my tale piece, a quotation from Michael Powell, The Accidental Gardener, where he wrote, Did you know that ducks are natural predators of slugs? As the old saying goes, if you have too many slugs, the chances are you have a deficiency of ducks. It reminds me of my grandfather. Someone from the, the village suggested he let ducks into his fenced vegetable garden to reduce slug numbers eating his pea seedlings. I don't know whether the uh, slug population was reduced, but I do know the ducks ate all of uh, the remaining garden pea seedlings, so it wasn't much help to him. Look forward to speaking to you again next week. There is no better group of plants for flower power Our thanks for this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants at Pershaw, Worcestershire. My producer, Rich Charman. And of course to you for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.